Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. The CEO of the Restaurants Association of Ireland has criticised the government for a lack of communication about the new rule requiring pubs and restaurants uh, to keep details of customer food orders. Now, the statutory instrument signed into law by Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly took effect yesterday and requires pubs and restaurants to retain and make available all customer information. Now, you know the story at the moment, you go into a restaurant or a, or a gastropub and you have to give your name and your phone number. Although I, what I thought was funny was somebody said yesterday on Twitter that every time they go into a restaurant they give the name Stephen Donnelly and his office number, but however. The regulations state that business owners must be prepared to share this information, if necessary, with Gardaí and the HSC. And the Chief Executive, Adrian Cummins, uh, of the RIA, has said this should have been better communicated to the businesses actually serving the food. Now, I want to know what you think. Do you think this is a nonsensical idea, or maybe you agree with it? And we'll talk more in a second about the purpose of actually serving the nine euro meal, because I know we slag it all the time. But there is a purpose to it. I don't believe the purpose is relevant, to be honest, in the big scheme of things. But I want to know what you think. Do you think this is nonsensical to now demand that restaurants and pubs that serve food or anywhere that serves food, indeed your coffee shop, whatever it happens to be, must keep a record of what you're actually eating? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 Paul Moynihan, who is the incoming president of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, joins me on the line. Paul, good afternoon to you. Paul, this is yeah, the most, most confusing piece of legislation ever. I see some members of Fianna Fáil are calling it Stasi-like. In other words, well, we know what Stasi means and where that goes back to in the times that goes back to. Uh, but I mean, is this? I do. You, have you an understanding of what this legislation is about? Um, Niall, nobody has an understanding completely of what's going on at the moment. Um, pubs have been open as restaurants now for for a period of weeks, months, and it has been done very successfully. When you walk into a, a restaurant pub at the moment, you're met at the door. You're seated in a group of less than six. Um, there's tracing of a, a phone number, as you said, a phone mm-hmm. number, and, and somebody's uh, name is given. Then you eat your meal. You've got an hour or 105 minutes to, to have your meal and a, maybe a glass of wine or coffee or whatever suits you. You're asked to leave. And now, is it that you're going to stand up? Somebody is going to come over to you on the staff and say, Now, Paul, what did you have for your dinner? Did you, oh, hold on. Did you finish your plate? Oh, I'm not sure. Was that equivalent equivalent to nine euros worth of food you've eaten? God knows what it is. I mean, like, it you know remi- but you know what? It reminds me of the old days when I used to work in the nightclubs back in the 80s. And you remember the legislation that was in place at the time whereby nightclubs were only in ever really in hotels because they operated under restaurant licenses and yeah. a hotel license. And they had to serve a, a supper. And every now and again, the guard of Shea Connor would come in and go down to the kitchen to check that it was a substantial meal. Now, as far as I remember, chicken curry wasn't considered to be a substantial meal. It had to be like chips and chicken or something like this or whatever. It kind of reminds me of the stupidity of that law. It was just there for a point of principle. Now, look, we've all slagged off the nine euro meal thing. And I believe the reason for the nine euro meal is to stop people from pub crawling. Um, It's for no other purpose than that. So if that's the purpose of the nine euro meal... I don't see why knowing what they had to eat is going to make a difference unless it's, of course, to catch people out, to catch, you know, vintners out. I imagine that's the purpose of it, isn't it? Well, I don't know where the idea came from. Um, I think, is it, do we say smarter people than us have come up with this idea? I'm not sure. Um, But as as I've just said, 
it's been done very successfully so far. I think uh, the majority, vast majority of pubs working as restaurants have done this very successfully. Like, we want to protect ourselves and our staff and our customers. We don't want to put anybody in danger here. So we've got our social distancing set up in our pubs. We've got our sanitizers everywhere. We've got all our staff masked up and, and our screens where we need to do it. Like, um, I think everybody is trying their best. Like, we're moving forward. But, of course, we're forgetting about a whole the issue of, as I say, pubs that don't uh, serve food being kept closed for, for no goddamn reason other than somebody, I, I don't know, again, a, a bright person have come, come up with this idea. If we can follow the same guidelines as the, as the restaurants and pubs that are there now, keep people distant. Well, we're the, we're the only country in Europe now that has the pubs closed. And, we, and look at the, the, the figures that we have at the moment. I mean, it's very positive. No, Thankfully, nobody is dying at the moment. It hasn't in nearly two weeks now. Um, the case numbers are reasonably low. And to be honest with you, when you think about how many uh, tests we're actually doing, we've done a record number of tests in the last seven days, uh, somewhere over the region of seventy or 80,000 tests now at this stage over the last seven or eight days. And you know, to only find, like last night, we had 95 cases or something like that. I think it's incredibly positive. So the idea that we're keeping places closed at this stage just seems quite ludicrous. Now, the, the Minister for State mentioned that the reasoning behind this was it was proof for the Gardaí that people did eat a meal. It suggests to me we're starting to treat people like children now. Yeah, but sure, the proof is in when you walk into a, a pub restaurant, you'll see what's going on in that premises. Like, and I said, there will be a till receipt there to prove that I've sold food for the day. Like, it's 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 draconian to think that that again. I have to go to somebody and get now. What did you have for your dinner? Now, my your name is what, and I have to put down what you ate for the well, day. Well, Stephen Donnelly is saying that you only days. have to have the receipt. You know, the I suppose you will have a receipt roll in your in your till that would you know have yeah. an itemised thing. But the legislation seems to suge- seems to suggest something different completely. And he signed the bloody legislation, so you'd imagine he'd yeah, know that. Exactly, Niall. I I would suggest the way I read it that I think I nearly need to put a name on on every. Food that that's every, right. Yeah, uh, menu. That's the way I'd look at it. Now, if that's if he meant it to be something else, why didn't he be clear about that at the time? Like, I, think so that was, I mean, there was no. If that was the case, if it was just the receipt roll, there was no need to bring in legislation because that legislation is already there under the revenue. Because you have they to keep already. your receipt rolls through the revenue yeah. commissioners anyway. And it's been suggested, Niall, as well, that this is to help um, pubs that are not selling food to reopen. And how can that help us reopen if we reopen and we don't sell food? We don't sell food. Well, we the receipts kept down, so I'm, I don't know. It's just Unless they're going to start smile. insisting for you to reopen, you'll have to sell pizzas or something. I, I don't know, just have people munching yeah. on something, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, we, or I don't know. I, oh, I, I, their, their argument is that there are pubs out there who are bending the rules by serving, you know, an old pizza, you know, from Aldi or Little with a bit of pizza oven in the corner of the shop. And then, of course, we spoke to the Healy Rays the other day and, you know, they, they have people coming into their pub and what they do is they send someone down to the chipper to get the food because they don't actually have the food in the pub. Uh, so they serve, some, you know, somebody, they have a little menu and you can have like your fish and chip. And when you order it, somebody in the pub runs up to the chipper and gets it and brings it back down again. Yeah, but you're supposed to have proof that there's people desperate out there in rural areas that maybe, as I say, the pub is the hub of an area and, and the people are desperate to try and get open for their neighbours and their, and, their, and their friends and they need to get back in. For the community, yes, again. for the community. Yeah, because, for the community. Yeah. It's, a, it's an effort. And if people are seeing a, a way to open and it's not clear where the rules really are, but like... We'd love to just be able to open. We can, as as pubs, why, why go to this bother of trying to get your tipper to bring food up to us? Let us open all our pubs and do it in a safe way. That that it's safer. Again, I come back. Nobody wants to put anybody in danger here. We want to keep our staff, ourselves, our families have to be safe, and and for for our customers as well. And if they don't see it being done in a safe way, they'll speak with their feet. They'll walk out.
So why why do you why do you think why do you think Neffet seemed to be picking on Irish pubs or this particular industry? Uh, do, do you believe that we have a bad relationship with alcohol compared to every other country in Europe? Or do you think that's the reasoning behind it? I mean, why do you think particularly we seem to be very focused? I know it's being used as political football, apart from anything else. But over, certainly over the last nine weeks with the wet pubs, or ten weeks now with the wet pubs closed, why do you think we're focusing so much on it? Yeah, but if you think, Niall, we'll go back to that fact that pubs are closed as pubs as we speak. And still, we're kind of being blamed for the, 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 the spread of the virus. Like, you know what I mean? So we keep the pubs closed, everything is going to be okay. But, like, from the middle of July, when we were kind of, we were hoping to open the middle of July, it was suggested that the numbers were rising, we couldn't rise. But they rose when the pubs were closed. We weren't open at that time, so how could we be blamed? So now it's still two months later, oh, we can't let the pubs open because they're the problem. But sure, the problem isn't the pubs if we're not open. Like, the problem is somewhere else, so deal with the problems. I know they've looked at meat factories and stuff now, but maybe that problem should have been identified a little bit earlier and dealt with before it got to such a stage. And I said, to kind of come back and blame the pubs, house parties have been an issue all the time. And, uh, maybe well, well, that doesn't seem to be the issue. The I mean, look, they've been blaming house parties as well, right? And there was a report out the other day that there was, in the space of two months, there was 300 house parties in one area in Cork, where the colleges obviously are, yeah. around there, okay? We haven't seen a spike in cases in Cork. So why we're even drawing attention to that is beyond me. Now, I know there has been a few small outbreaks in restaurants or bars or whatever. Now, outbreak, by the way, can mean one person. So there might be one case or whatever it is. But, I mean, if we're going to, as Stephen Donnelly and as Simon Harris said and as Leo Varadkar said before, if we're going to live with the virus, we have to get used to the fact every now and again someone's going to catch it. This virus could be around for 20 years. Yeah, and just to come back on the fact that all pub, pub uh, restaurants and um, situations where there has been a, a small outbreak, they've all been dealt with individually. So that's, that's, so that's the way I see it going forward. I said, why keep, uh, like the, the pubs not doing food, keep them closed? Mm-hmm. Like I said, deal with an individual case if it happens. And I think, I think the tracing we have now, it, it, it's top class. We've got our apps on the phone. Everything is trying to go in the right direction to try and fight this thing in a, in a, in a kind of an adult way instead of trying to be draconian and, and I say, maybe a Stalinist way of looking at it, kind of control people too much. And I think you're dead right. We've got we to gotta let people live again. We've got to let people make their own choices and make their own decisions and say, set it out in a way that people can go with you instead of trying to beat them with a stick a little bit too much. We've got to try and bring the public with us on, on this, maybe from the government point of view, instead of just bringing out new rules all the time, new legislation and new guidelines. And, and people are kind of saying, oh, no, not again. They're not bringing out something else to try and stop us. Well, we seem to, to, I mean, ironically enough, I mean, we should be moving forward and not backwards. And most countries in Europe are, well, nearly all of them are actually moving forward. You know, some are actually increasing, say, from 50 to 500 outdoors. You've got uh, Boris Johnson there yesterday, uh, you know, saying to everybody, listen, I want everybody back in their offices again. Let's get this economy moving again. You've got all sorts of different things happening around Europe. But Ireland just seems to be bringing in more restrictions and making it worse. I, I, and yeah. do, do, you have, do you have faith currently in, what the, in the strategy? And I don't actually believe they have a strategy, to be honest with you. It just seems we wake up every day and make a new rule. But do you have faith, any faith in the strategy of the Irish government at the moment? Well, from what we've seen so far, it's very mixed and muddled. It's not clear in any way where, where the strategy is going or where we're going. This... Um, kind of a roadmap that they're talking about bringing out, I think it's the 13th. September the 13th, September the 13th, yeah. That's going to be a very important document where we're going to be in the next six months without a a virus kind of um, 
fix, if you, if you might call it. Um, but um, that's going to be very important. And by what we've seen so far, by what government has brought, I guarantee you that will be muddled as well and it will be interpreted in completely different ways and nobody will know where we are. Just just, fi- just finally, in re- okay, I think we were all going to agree that this new piece of legislation is the most ridiculous piece of legislation I think that's ever been signed in in this country and I'm surprised Stephen Donnelly put a pen to paper to it. But anyway, uh, we're trying desperately to talk to Stephen Donnelly and I'll talk about that later on in the show. But in relation to where the pubs are at now, those that are open, the 40% or whatever is the gastro pubs that are open, and I'm sure you've spoken to many owners and, and members over the, la- the course of the last few weeks, how are they doing? Are, are, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're not back up to 100% business, you know, that they were doing pr- pre-COVID, but how are they doing percentage-wise, business-wise, how are they doing? Yeah, firstly, they're, they're, they're all delighted to be open. Having the doors open is good for, for their mental health and for their staff, get their staff. I think there's a big onus on, on owners to try and get their staff. Some people will have maybe 60 people working for them. So they're, they're, they're very happy to have uh, an awful lot. And in fairness, staff numbers are, even though your turnover will be down, staff numbers are the same because there is a, an awful lot more um, emphasis on cleaning and um, you have to have somebody at the door to kind of meet, meet, uh, meet and greet and see people. So there is... Um, an element of, of cost to this for all restaurants come post mm-hmm. that are working at the moment. But um, as for trade, I think um, with the way the setup of a pub is now, sure, it can't be the same as what it was. So, it, yeah, they're restricted in doing business, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, with distance and whatever, and, and without being allowed to have parties. Now, which is which is grand. The doors are open. They're very happy to have the doors open. But I'd, I'd, I'd suggest maybe it's around 50% of where they were. But 50% is better than nothing, you know what I mean? And we'd love as, as an industry to open all our pubs. Like, I'm closed. I'm in a village in, in West Wicklow. I'm closed. There's nothing around me, like, and I said, the amount of my neighbours say, "Jesus, Paul, when are you going to open the doors?" Like, come on, whatever I can, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm allowed to do it. You know what I mean? And in fairness, they're looking at me now and said, "You're not going to open." Like, you know what I mean? And it's it's like it's my fault, but we have to follow what's been happening. But how long more? How long more can they? I mean, if the government come along on the 13th of September and say, "Listen, in the roadmap, you know, we're probably looking at Christmas for the wet pubs here." You know, let's just say, for example, for argument's sake. Are, are the vintners going to take that or are going to be able to handle that? I mean, these pubs won't last that long. They'll be closed down. No. They'll be gone for good. No, no, I think, I think everybody realises that. I think even from government, what the rumblings that in the last few days from government to realise that. The, mortgages, the mortgage monitorium, I think it's called, is finishing at the end of September. What's going to happen then? Most publicans are going to have a mortgage coming back in. There's going to have a bill. So what's going to happen then? Are all businesses then going to default? And where does the government stand on that? Are they going to allow uh, businesses to have in... in probably families for, for a long, long time for generations and they're going to go into default. That's ludicrous. Like, we've got to open and I think, I think, well, please God that they are seeing that now that, that this can't go forever and as you've suggested many times on your show, we've got to live with this virus now. This isn't, at the start, Neff had kind of said we're going to wipe this out, we're going to get to zero. But I well, think that's they, an impossible, that's a fantasy yeah, idea, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. and we've it probably seen always that. was. We're yeah. an open economy with, with, with flights and, and coming through all the time. We're not in New Zealand where we're out and on the edge of an ocean that we can control our borders a, a, a lot easier than we can. Mm. But um, So where we are, we've got to live. We've got to learn to live with it. And okay. I hope that the people in power realise that and, and they act on it. There's no point in, in talking about this. There's talk this week again, 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 about reopening pubs and trying to get back. Well, I know, well, I know Leo Varadkar now seems he's playing a, a very good game in politics at the moment. He seems to be on your side all of a sudden, um, and he's talking about opening the pubs again, or they should be open. And again, he, he mentioned the fact that we're the only country in Europe, which everybody knows at this stage. So he's playing a good politics game at the moment. I think he's sitting there waiting patiently for something, something to happen. But look, anyway, thank you very much indeed, Paul Moynihan, the incoming president of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. I appreciate you coming on the show today. This legislation uh, is absolutely nonsense. Uh, Richie says, not since the days of Stasi and the KGB has 
there being such invasive intrusions into citizens' lives. These, quite frankly, weird measures have nothing to do with the pubs or restaurants or public health and everything to do with control. Our people are being socially engineered to, sur- uh, to surrender our freedoms bit by bit and I dread what lays as in store ahead in the future. A free society does not fall prey to the tyrant overnight. Uh, rather, she is slowly altered one facet at a time, beginning with the indoctrination of her youth until children look with hatred upon their parents and the world that they've been bequeathed. Very interesting. And I, I get the point that he's making. I only said this the other night. I was talking about the office earlier and I was talking to my partner and I was saying, because I'm 56, and I said, have I just experienced the best 56 years in humankind? Have I just experienced that? I found myself just saying humankind there, by the way. Have I just experienced that? The freedoms that I've had, the freedoms that many people in this world have fought for for hundreds of years. Have I just experienced the best life as a human being that we've ever had over the last 56 years? And are those you know, ahead of me and the generations ahead of me destined for the new normal where everybody won't be interacting with each other anymore, big social events won't be happening anymore because governments are terrified, terrified to let people enjoy themselves just in case people start to feel unwell. And if we look at the figures at the moment around the world, you can see clearly the trend. More people are getting it, less people are dying. Thankfully, that is the way it is. And, you know, out of those 95 people yesterday, remember... Almost 70% of those people were under the age of 45 years of age. Under the age, that means that it's probably of no risk to them whatsoever. We really have to start putting things in. We have to be proportional about how we're dealing with this virus. And we're dealing with it really badly. You voted for this government. You need to lobby your TDs, talk to your TDs. They are not dealing with it properly. They have no strategy whatsoever. They cannot have a strategy of a zero COVID-free island. That is not going to happen. We share a land border with the UK. We're part of Europe. We're not like New Zealand. And anyway, it's a mess in New Zealand. You wait and see what happens in New Zealand in the next two or three weeks. Uh, let me go to Anne. Anne, go, go ahead. In relation to the hey, pubs, Anne, I mean, these, I mean, is it time to just open the bloody things? Uh, stop, Nile. I tell you, I was saying to uh, Helena, <clears throat> originally, again, I'm from the country, where there's one pub, one school and one church in the village. Now, you have to travel three or four miles to get to that pub. And you could meet your friends, you know, school day when you're dropping off your children. But every Saturday night, we met in that pub. It might be after something happened in the community hall where there was a musical or a play. But we all got together on a Saturday night. That was our night out. We paid for babysitters and we were around each other. I have no idea what this crowd are at. That's the truth. But there was a man on the ad yesterday and it said, we're great to moan, we're great to complain. Now, the publicans in Kerry are coming out marching. One of the days, now I'm not sure when night. And I think every publican and staff and that should come out like they did with the water charges and say enough is okay, enough. Well, let me let me put the government's argument to you that the more we allow people to interact, particularly with a bit of social lubricant like alcohol, uh, the higher the risk to society of spreading a virus. Where, where do you stand on that? I don't believe that. I honestly don't. And I think, as you said, if you look at the percentage of people that are getting ill 
and uh, my partner's mother, she was 88, she died in April, okay? Mm-hmm. And it was horrendous. Her, she has one daughter, seven sons, two in Canada, couldn't come home. She wasn't allowed to lay her mother out properly. But she was told, no, her mother would go in basically like dressed in a habit, right? Like years ago, I suppose, with the influenza and that, and they just put people into boxes and burnt them. When is it going to stop I, I, I know I spoke at the start of the show I know and I was talking to a woman yesterday she's an 83 year old woman she's a lovely yeah. woman right and she was saying to me that she doesn't want to live anymore it was kind of and that's why Ronan, what Ronan Collins Professor Ronan Collins yeah. said last night in primetime kind of resonated with me so much and she said she misses going out on a Sunday she used to go to a dance on a Sunday yeah. and yeah. dance you know uh, I don't know what sort of dancing they do she used yeah. to go to bingo she used to go to the yeah. cinema and she mm-hmm. loved her life she used to then go and play the slots and all sorts of things right and meet people and she and can't meet... do any of that anymore and she no. said and this is exactly what she said she said I'm quite happy to go out. She said, if I got a virus and I died, I don't mind. I just want to yeah. live my life. Now, can I, I, can I reassure most people over the age of 70, right? That mm-hmm. even if you did get COVID-19, yes. statistically, you're unlikely to die. Now, and I ob- ob- obviously you are at more at risk than somebody that's 45 years of age. No, I believe they lied about numbers as well, Mike. You know what I mean? I mean, my partner's mother has loads of underlying problems. She had been in hospital in and out for, God, she must have gone in 30 times. But we do have a responsibility uh, to guide people, particularly those who are vulnerable, particularly those with underlying conditions and protect people. We didn't do that at the start, by the way. You know, we neglected people in in that age category. And I worked in nursing homes for eight years Mm. as a carer. So I do understand that. And it's vital. My mother is 78 and again, she lives in the country. From the time in March, and we used to laugh at her, and she'd say, I'm cocooning. I'm cocooning. And uh, we'd say, Jesus, how long can you cocoon? But well, look, if somebody wants to isolate and wants to cocoon, and they're happy doing that, and they feel they're safer doing that, listening to obviously the government advice, Absolutely. Far away and do that. And I believe the government should assist people and protect those vulnerable groups to do that if that's what they need to do and help them and support them in any way. But the whole idea now that we're essentially locking up and destroying an economy and locking up predominantly healthy society seems to be quite a bizarre idea. And most, I think most of the logical professors that I've listened to around the world uh, firmly believe that locking down society and disrupting society like this is not the way forward because this will do more damage to people and more damage to society. But look, everybody's entitled to an opinion. Uh, the number is 87 uh, I'd like to hear your opinion. Maybe you believe it's a good idea to keep the pubs closed. Do you know what's becoming more and more disturbing about this whole thing? That here we are two weeks, almost two weeks into it now, the fact that nobody has died, thankfully. Um, going back a week and a half ago, uh, Stephen Donnelly said that we've noticed a trend that when cases go up, it's followed very quickly about two weeks later by deaths. The trend, according to them, in Kildare, case numbers shot up nearly four weeks ago. It's nearly four weeks ago now. Remember when the lockdown happened in Kildare? Numbers of people dying didn't go up. He was wrong. They're wrong. On a lot of occasions, they have been wrong. They've been right on some occasions. 
but they've been wrong all the There are experts back in March predicted 100,000 people would die, one of their experts. Nobody has questioned them on that figure and how he got it so terribly wrong. There was nothing to do with the fact that we locked down that saved 100,000 people. Let's be clear about that. Because in other countries, they didn't have lockdowns. They didn't see those kind of figures. Because these were based on models and algorithms that were that just didn't work. But I think what we need to do now is we need to stop terrifying people. People are terrified. And I watch RTE News on a regular basis because obviously from my point of view, it's, it's important that I keep up with what's going on. And to see a reporter standing outside the press conference every day giving us the news, um, <clears throat> it's not news anymore. This is not news. Like yesterday, for example, again, as I mentioned, nobody's died in nearly two weeks. There were 95 cases. The majority of those people were people under the age of 45. Now, statistically, those people under 45 are most likely not going to die. It would be very rare that somebody under the age of 45 would die. So rare, actually, out of a population of 5 million, it's probably not going to happen. But I wish them all well. The majority of those cases under 45 are probably asymptomatic. They didn't even know they had it. So essentially, we have an RT reporter <clears throat> at a press conference, usually Philip Nolan, Ronan, Deputy Ronan, uh, Chief Medical Officer Ronan Glynn, to come, us on the te- come on the television at night to tell us that there's a few people feeling a little bit unwell today. When in the history of Ireland, or any country, have we ever done that before? If they're, at it, if they're going to do that, why not come on and say 70 other people died in Ireland at the same time? 33 of those died of maybe cancer. 20 of those died of heart attacks and strokes. Maybe another 10 died of lung disease, uh, emphysema, whatever it happened to be. And maybe three were killed in accidents. Two people, by the way, were killed in road traffic accidents in the last two days. We're only two day, three days into September. You know, we really need to stop doing this. And I'm just looking, there's a headline in the paper here, and I'm sorry I'm going on about it a bit, but I think it's really important that we all understand this. Um, in the Irish Times, doctors call utterly meaningless daily figures to be dropped. To stop reporting this daily. Even doctors are saying it now. Will you stop telling us about people not feeling too well? People not, I mean, every single year between October and February, hundreds of people die in this country. You know, and I'm, I don't want to compare COVID to the flu, but from the flu. And we don't go on the telly and tell everybody about it. It's just getting ridiculous now. It's getting silly at this stage. Sinead, you're on Classic Kids. How are you, Sinead? How are you? Can I just start by saying I completely agree with your opinion. Completely agree. I think there's a massive scaremongering going on. But the only thing about the new law that's brought in, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I totally understand this. This is the this is the law that, that they have to require you, you have to, to write down the food. Yeah. Watch your vest. Yeah. If you're a pub owner and you're sitting at home dealing with anxiety, you don't know what's happening, you can't open in your pubs, and you're sitting watching these pubs flouting the rules every day. These are the going, ones serving the pizza. Or, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. throwing in an empty pizza box and things. Like, we all know that's happening. And it's not fair on the books that are closed because these are real people with real families and real mortgages and real lives that can't cope. And they're watching these pubs throw out an empty box of uh, pizza and pretend that they've eaten. And then the people are staying for the entire night and they're drinking all night. If the waitress is taking your order anyway, the order is written down on a piece of paper. So what's wrong with just using that piece of paper, attaching it to a file or photocopying it, attaching it to a file. If the guards come in, 
They look for it. The information is there. It's nothing different to what they're doing. Well, well, they okay, are and that's fine, but some order. hub owners are saying they're adding extra work. And I think it's a point of principle. Even Fianna, uh, a member of Fianna Fáil has said, you know, that this is kind of Stasi-esque, you know, this kind of... You know, but there's no more, there's no more work being added because the waitress has to write down what they're I, I, I think anyway. I think, Sinead, we have to accept there are always going to be people who bend rules slightly, you know what I mean? And I know, I just think it's so unfair on the, on the pub owners who can't open. If they're going to do that, but but if we're going to open there. the wet pubs, Sinead, let's say, you know, in yeah. two weeks' time we announce the wet pubs are going to open, so they're not going to be serving food anyway. So but it's yeah, going to be, so it's going to be unfair to even suggest to a gastro pub then that you have to serve a nine-euro meal. Yeah, I just think it's unfair. I think open the pubs, give them the chance to adhere by the guidelines, see how it works, trial and error, but keeping them closed for this amount of time. See what? what could, yeah, and I and I get what you're saying. I do. I do. You want a level playing field, and I get. I absolutely get what you're saying. Yeah. But I think f- what's concerning for people is, and I know the Council for Civil Liberties were talking about this as well, is that we have to be very careful the power that we give government when they're making legislation, and to make you know a piece of legislation, and for our minister for health to sign it, demanding the pubs you know write down everything that people are eating just seems like something we would have never allowed in the past. Wait, that's what a waitress does every single day anyway. They, if, you, if you want to eat, you have to tell them what you want and she has to write it down. So it's mm. written down anyway. Or, or he. Or he, sorry. It's a stereotype building. Sorry. It's written down anyway. Yeah. That's, that's how you order a meal. So if you're not ordering a meal, then that is extra work, but that's because you're flouting the rules. That's why it's not written down. Okay, generally speaking... Do you, uh, I, I won't disagree necessarily with you, Sinead. I mean, do you have faith in the way the government are dealing with this no, whole no. situation? No, I think the government are hearing somebody say some statement and they're saying, oh yeah, we'll do that. And there's no thought process put in it. And before they have time to look back at it and realise they made an absolute mess of it, it's already gone through as law, it's already legislation, and then they're dealing with the backlash. I just, to be honest, I don't think any government could have come in now and dealt with this situation because it's, it's an original situation that nobody has ever dealt with before but I don't think they're dealing with it the best way they could I, I think the honest. worst I mean don't get me wrong I, I, I wasn't a big fan of Simon Harris I, I, I liked Simon Harris as a guy I think he was very confident and I think people liked him and they trusted mm-hmm. him more so than yeah. Stephen Donnelly there's no doubt about that I don't uh, know the same, and the same goes with Leo I think changing government in the middle of all this was the most ridiculous oh, yeah. thing we've ever done that was really ridiculous but I don't know whether it was that we trusted them just because we didn't know any different. This was all new and we had to listen to somebody and they were just there to listen to. And now we know a little bit more about the virus. We, we have seen the effects of it. We've seen the non-effects of it. And now we're kind of thinking, well, you know what? What you're saying isn't actually right and it's not true. And we don't... We do don't you think it's time that RTE, who, of course, are the national broadcaster, do you think it's time they stopped having these press conferences on telly yeah. telling us people are feeling a bit unwell? Yeah. My daughter's teacher has banned talking about COVID and the coronavirus in the classroom. And I think that's correct. That's I, a brilliant I, I idea. Think, brilliant idea. I just think the children have enough to be dealing with without every single day on the news. As you said, literally saying, Mary down the road there isn't feeling very well today. But that's, that's essentially what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's a case that suddenly, you know, 30 and 40 people start dying daily, you know, I, I, and something that's that's very concerning, I think, yes, we should obviously return to that and, and be telling yeah. people how to be cautious, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you're right. It is, at this stage, it's scaremongering. That's it's all it is. We definitely don't, scaremongering. I mean, there's 80 people die every day in this country and we don't go on exactly. and, and tell you and tell us about it. You know what I mean? And the percentage of people that survived way out, uh, outweighs the ones that, that died. And obviously, one life is too many 
but the people that did survive, they're not bringing them percentages out. And well, and, and, and I agree with you. Pulse. I do agree with you when you say one life is too many. But I did hear a politician recently say that about lockdowns. If it's to save one life, it's worth it. And that's a stupid comment. Because in life, unfortunately, there are trade-offs. There are always trade-offs. We can't save oh. everybody. Mortality exists as human beings. We do die at some point in our lives. And we yeah. die for many different reasons. Different viruses, bacteria, uh, and diseases that we die of as human yeah. beings. We can't save everybody. We just can't. Yeah. It's not possible. Unfortunately, immortality doesn't exist. Listen, Sinead, yeah. thanks. It's been nice talking to you, all right? Thank uh, you so much, man. All right. Loads of people listening, by the way. Loads of people talking about this. Uh, and, the, the, of course, the story now that's just come in in the Irish Times, COVID-19, doctors call for utterly meaningless daily figures to be dropped. Stop telling people every single day how many people are sick. And, and realistically, most of them are not sick at all. Some might feel mild symptoms because most of them are under the age of 45. And some... Um, you know, might feel nothing at all and didn't even know they had COVID-19. These are meaningless figures. If people start dying in their droves, of course we need to know about it. We need to do something about it. But at the moment, what we're dealing with is a virus that's having very little effect on society. And the main effect it's having on society is the government scaring people to death and businesses closed, people losing their jobs, people in despair, poverty on the way, recessions on the way, and our economy is going to collapse. That's the biggest effect this virus is having. Let's have a listen to some of your WhatsApp messages as well. Hi, Niall. Um, I can't come on the air, but I just want to thank you for being, as far as I can see, the only person in the media or on, 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 on the airwaves that's been positive about this because everything else is just negative negative depressing and you're actually helping people I think you're helping people's mental health by being so positive about this and thank you and fair play to you and I absolutely hope that I'm right and I hope that the future is a bright future for everybody in relation to COVID-19 and I think that we need to get our society back up and running Hi now, it's Mark here. This stuff is so ridiculous what the government are trying to do now. Track everybody's eating movements now in pubs for the last for the next twenty-eight days or keep it on foil. So look at the paperwork that's gonna cause and the stupidity of that. So you're telling me that some civil servant's gonna go back and see what Dave or John had at the bar, you know, twenty-eight days ago and how long they sat down there for and all that trace. No, they're not. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're making the stuff as they, up as they go along. They've no real plan. I've been saying it from day one that society should never be in lockdown. We should have let this country move on as it's supposed to. People will die. People will live. And that's just the way life goes on. It's absolutely ridiculous. Look what we've done to the economies of the world and what has been done to our economy. And the only benefits of this, I firmly believe, is this is a uh, this was set up by the Chinese government to get themselves more powerful than the American uh, economy. That's really it. Um, and we've all fallen fell to it. And it's absolutely ridiculous. I know some people have died, but you know what? People die of flu and pneumonia and they die of cancer and they die of everything. But every death is just COVID, COVID, COVID. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and every pub should be opened up. We know for a fact there's plenty of pubs around not actually abiding by the rules and the regulations. Um, as there is restaurants, it seems incredible that, you know, only six people can meet in one household and so many can go into a restaurant. I'm so confused by it all now. But you could have 100 staff in a restaurant. But you can't. 
Engel's phone was being interrupted by somebody else there. But I get the gist of what you're saying. Okay, you don't agree with lockdowns at all. Um, there, I, I think there was probably reasoning at the very, very start, like everybody else, when we didn't know what we were dealing with. Um, I think at the very, very start, I think everybody agreed with any sanctions or steps that were taken. Um, but in hindsight, now when we look back, and thankfully we have all the data now, and we can see that obviously the, the rate of infection versus mortality, etc., is not what we initially thought it was going to be, which is a good thing, by the way, although it was quite bizarre to see um, some um, TDs yesterday, or Claire TD was and said that the, the fatality rate of this virus is 6%. He's probably the only one in the world that actually believes that. Uh, Leslie, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Leslie? Uh, hi, Niall. How's it going? Uh, Leslie, I mean, Leslie, do you think the pubs should remain closed to be on the safe side, or should they open up back up again? I think they should open back up, Niall. Um, funny enough now, um, I texted you in about the, the supper that they used to have in the nightclubs here. Oh, so, I remember it well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were the best days ever. But you know something, Niall? I was at a COVID funeral yesterday, and I just wanted to share my experience of it. Um, there was only 50 people allowed into the church. There was all social distancing in place. The priests had organised everything, and it was live as well, online. And then um, they done the same then for the graveyard. And then they done this. They had, I'm not going to say where the venue was, but there was only 50 people allowed into the venue. There was a little bit of music there. There was food. Nobody was allowed to get up and dance. And there was only six people allowed per table. And it actually I don't think, I don't think they, I don't think they'd be dancing at a funeral, would they? Well, you know, an Irish funeral, you would be. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Day. Yeah, we like, we like to celebrate their passing and celebrate their life, I suppose, yes. This is it, like, you know, but what I'm saying, Niall, is that if the pubs were to reopen, it would stop the house parties because you go to a pub, there's obviously going to be some new guidelines in the pubs, the wet pubs, social distancing, and they're going to close at a certain time, and that's it. End of story, people go home, wash their hands, and keep minds themselves. Mm. And you know what I mean? Where I, I mean, are you wor- can I ask you personally, right? Are, yeah. you, are you worried about COVID-19? Well, I've, I was at the beginning and I've like been looking after myself and my family. And Do you have any underlying conditions? No. Uh, can I ask you what age you are? If it's not an imposing question. Leslie. Yeah, I'm 50. I was 50 this okay. year. I had my 50 okay. gar- in my garden with my mom. Could I had to elbow my mother. And my mother is 75 and she's amazing. And she's well, at 50 like, years of age with no underlying conditions, you'd probably be very little to worry about. But I mean, but again, obviously everyone has to take their own precautions and, and, and you know, assess their own risk. So you're very, yeah. very little to worry about. I know. And you know the clip that you played off um, the RT show last night? It really yeah. brought the truth home that people are feeling that they've nothing to live for. And, uh, and that know, doesn't, and by the way, that do, I, I believe that just doesn't apply to just people who are over the age of 70. I believe it applies to everybody. I mean, we all yeah. look forward to meeting our friends at the weekend, to inviting mm-hmm. people to our houses, to going out to a pub and meeting people, to going on holidays. They're all parts of living as human beings. We don't live just to be biological creatures and walk around on our own and not interact. That's not what we live yeah. for. You know, there's more to life than that. Yeah, and you know, in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to be honest with you, I have went to a restaurant with my family and it was brilliant social distancing Mm -hmm. and you have to wear your mask going to the toilet. I know some people think, oh, that's a loaded whatever. But if that's what it takes for us to be allowed to do it again, yeah, bring it on. Oh, I'm excited. On Sunday night, I'm going to the pictures, by the way. So I'm so excited. (laughs) I haven't made the pictures in seven months. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really, I swear to God uh, how thankful we are for the small mercies. I'm excited about it.
So. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? And it's brilliant. It's great. And just, if the wet pubs are ever to be opened again, Niall, in my oh, opinion... don't say that, ever to be open again. They, I believe they should be open tomorrow. That should be just it. Tonight. And yeah, you know, go for it. Go- and here's another really important thing that people need to take on board. Okay, so... Finally, I have 10 seconds. Go on, Leslie. Okay, so the cut-off number for a supermarket is over the door of the supermarket. When that's full, end of story. No more people are allowed in. They should apply that for a pub. And that will also keep people local. So people won't travel to go to different places. Because yeah. they know, oh, well, there's a fear that we mightn't get into that pub. Because the locals will have it at the maximum. Well, I, I, I think that the point being made by everybody at the moment is, if you open more pubs, you dilute the problem. In other words, there's more places for people to go, so they won't be all cramming into the same 40% of pubs that are open. Listen, thank you, Leslie. Wonderful points made. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.